globe world fiber. Choo choo choo. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Do we need to give a parental advisory for this? Men of Globe World Fiber, and they have all sorts of cool swag. And I'm Turb Reynolds. I chose moonshine today for my beers. Alright, everybody. Let's get swifty. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Kristen's doing it. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Hello and welcome to another Rip Burgering episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show we built on top of another show that previously just sank slowly into the ground. Anyway, uh, I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me, per usual, is my chainsaw-wielding, fertilizer-blinding, poyoga-gorge-jumping big brother, Jason Helms. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Um, does that mean that I blind fertilizer or that I blind with fertilizer? I, the... I think you blind with fertilizer. Okay. Okay. That was my goal. I, I'm kind of terrified now that fertilizer can see me. Um, fertilizer blinding. Now it's in my mind. Yep. Well, there you go. It's just a great, great point, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the input there. We do have actually a message uh, to start the show off before we get into stuff. Uh, and that is from our good friend of Low Moral Fiber, Nick, uh, who wants to help us uh, with our Patreon campaign, which is super nice of him. Yeah. And he actually said that every new patron uh, that gives as little as you know anything from $1 a month to $40 a month, whatever, uh, he'll, he'll create a personalized Dungeons & Dragons character just for you. Straight out of his own nerdy little brain, uh, complete with avatar, and uh, he'll design a caricature based on whatever picture you want to send him. Uh, and also a full character sheet with all your stats and HP oh. and all that kind of stuff on it. So really cool. Wow. Uh, thank you, Nick, for setting that up. Yeah. And actually, you can see some of the sketches that he's already done for our current party uh, at tresendarmanor.com. So that's T-R-E-S-E-N-D. A R Manor M A N O R dot com, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, D and D. We're having a great time playing D and D. I know Jason and me, Nick, yeah. a couple other friends of ours are playing. We play, try to play every week uh, when we can. We're having a great time, and so hopefully this will kind of inspire people to to support our podcast as well as also to start playing some D and D. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty awesome. Let's get into the show though. Uh, today we're talking about uh, a game that came out twenty two years ago, uh, and that is Tim Schafer's Full Throttle. It came out 22 years ago. I'm pretty sure it came out last month because Boom. it just got remastered. Boom. Um, double fine. Bringing it to us again. Letting us relive the 90s and our youths. Uh, so I was excited to get back to this. This is not a game that I played back in the day other than the demo. Uh, and so uh, it was exciting to to come back to it. Yeah. And just like uh, Secret, Secret of Monkey Island, right? Yeah. They got um, uh, remastered as well that we played last year. And that, that was so fun to just click... Was it um, function F1 back and forth? I was doing it like every 30 seconds throughout. And that transitions you from the original version to the remastered version. And I went back and played a bunch of the game and listened to the commentary that came with the remastered version of Full Throttle. Just and did all of that in the the original artwork, original gameplay. And it, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. And it seemed like there was much less remastering in this one um in terms of the actual animation Uh, when i pressed f1 the lines got a little bit more jaggedy uh, a little bit more pixelation but like this one much truer to the original yeah like very much like day of the tentacle in that remaster yeah yeah it looks gorgeous yeah i think the things that stand out would be kind of like the things in in rebel assault or whatever those like random 3d images that you can tell aren't hand-drawn that in the remastered version it's all it all looks hand-drawn and cartoony and just looks really nice and it's all 4k beautiful gentle curves and 
just <laughs> snuggles me to sleep. Anyway, mm. uh, yeah. So we today we have a special guest. So we're very happy to have him join us. We're gonna uh, have him come on when we talk about the gameplay. But let's first give a little outline of the show. Just like normal today, we're gonna talk a little bit about the history, the making of Full Throttle. Get into the mind of the Schaefer. Kind of find out where Full Throttle came from and why and why they remastered it. Uh, then we'll get into the gameplay again with our special guest. Uh, then we'll play uh, quite the sagacious round of what's the beer, what's the song, uh, and tell you August's game, which, by the way, next game is August's game. Isn't that insane? It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, last year, this time, or I guess at that time, in August, we did The Dig with Brent Peterson. We did our Stranger Things side quest. Um yeah, which I wish Stranger Things was coming back in August, but we have to wait until October for that. Poor um, us. I know. Poor us. Man, it's a tough life waiting for Stranger Things. Anyway, time flies. All that jam. Uh, Jason, let's get into the the history of Full Throttle. Let's take, take us back to April of 95, maybe a little bit before then. What was going on in the world? I, I suspect the Goo Goo Dolls were on the radio. Okay, um, yes. Interesting. I, I haven't done my research on that. I'm just trying to kind of get it back into my head. Uh, and I was drinking a lot of Slurpees at the local 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. Uh, but probably more with what we're concerned about, um, Rebel Assault uh, had just come out. Um, both Monkey Islands had come out along with Day of the Tentacle. Uh, LucasArts was working on Dark Forces and Rebel Assault 2, uh, which used the insane uh, engine uh, to process their video, something that Full Throttle used as well. Uh, and they started working on full throttle um full throttle uh tim Schafer has kind of a great story about it where he says that he he wrote up this initial pitch for it and he's really excited about this game and he showed it to the higher ups and they just said no no we're not doing that that sounds <laughs> why did we pay you to write this this is terrible they hate um, it apparently yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i really want to know why because i couldn't find out the details um, yeah. as to why I, I can guess um you know the idea of a biker uh as a protagonist didn't meet with I don't know what they intended. Um, but the idea behind the game for him was uh, Schaefer had been hanging out in a biker bar. And uh, he he realized that bikers are – He this is – now I'm quoting Tim Schaefer. He said, bikers are kind of like pirates, like another culture that people don't have a window into most of the time, but which has its own rules. Um, so it's another way of doing what Ron Gilbert said, which is you know not doing fantasy, uh, but still doing wish fulfillment, still doing something yeah. um, fantastic without falling into those fantasy tropes. Uh, and so that's kind of the background behind full, Th- full throttle and why they did it. Um, now the setting of the game itself is really interesting. And I spent most of the game trying to figure out what the setting was exactly before. Yeah. Tim Schafer it, just, this is a little unclear. Yeah. Tim Schafer just kind of solves it all uh, in an interview he was doing and said, uh, it's, it's an alternative universe done. <laughs> all right. Um, which means that's, there's no rules, you know? Right. Exactly. But yeah, it has, it's, you know, it starts off, I guess, well, I guess it starts off with a hover limo, right? right? But then, you know, you're on a motorcycle most of the time. And so you have this like sturgis um, like 60s Harley Davidson thing. And then you have hover cars and hover semis. And it looks very post-apocalyptic, like desert wasteland. All the buildings you see are either built on top of other buildings or they're like very handmade, like sheet metal and boards like nailed up. It looks uh, very Mad Max. And a lot of the, there's a lot of chase scenes that are, I would say very like almost shot for shot Mad Max people with bandages on heads out, hanging out the window, fire and and smoke everywhere. Um, But yeah, so I guess, yeah, I guess some of the, the setting of the game, right. Is you are, you are Ben throttle, right? His last name's throttle. Yeah. When did you figure that out? I got to know. (laughs) 
Uh, I think in the first scene they say something about Ben Throttle. Oh my when gosh. First talking I, about I, it. I missed it. It was only when I was doing research that I was like, wait, his name was Ben Throttle? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, towards the end of the game, I was like, I know his name's Ben, but is his last name really Throttle? I guess it is. Oh, yes, it rough. is. Full Throttle. Uh, yeah, so Ben Throttle, uh, is, is the main character that you control. You run around and you are, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of a complicated plot. It's, it's short of a oh, game. Yeah. That's another thing is it's, it's a much shorter game than most of the other scum games, uh, which the other scum games could be anywhere from 12 hours. If you have the internet or 40 hours, if you didn't have the internet, depending yeah. on when you were playing these games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then this game was anywhere from two to six hours. I think I was probably closer to about five, somewhere yeah, in there, four or five that hours. about right for me. Uh, with a couple cheats here and there, a couple asking Jasons here and there. Uh, but yeah, I think back to the, the plot of the game is you are... What is the plot of the game, Jason? Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> Malcolm Corley is the owner of Corley Motors, mm-hmm. which is the Harley Davidson... Analog. Um, analog, thank you, which is the Harley Davidson analog. Uh, uh, and the, he... The Harley Davidson corollary is... I, I don't know. That feels like a physics principle, uh, or you know, a weird paranoid conspiracy theory. It sounds I'm like a band about, from the '90s. Uh, the Harley Davidson corollary. Um, the yeah. Could you break down the plot for me? Yeah, I'll, I'll try my best because it's it's fairly convoluted. Um, it, what was his name again? What Corley? Malcolm Corley. Malcolm Corley. Malcolm Corley is the aging owner of Corley Motors, the last motorcycle factory in the world, um, and the whole world is going to minivans and hover cars that's the future man uh minivans are the future uh his his right hand man's name is ripburger um and uh ripburger played is, by course, the great mark hamill so good so good he's um, basically 90 percent the joker in this but it's so perfect i wanted him to lose his hand at one point just yes. to, to make the connection explicit. so good um and uh so Ripburger is the conniving second in command who wants to take over and turn the entire Corley factory into a minivan factory. Um, and uh, that's basically where the plot starts. As it continues, you find out that Ripburger's only around because of his business acumen, but Corley knows he's a conniving weasel. Uh, he just underestimates him because in one of the opening scenes, Ripburger kills more Corley. Uh, and that sets off the the plot, wherein Ben uh, loses his entire gang, uh, is wrongly imprisoned for the murder of Corley, or wrongly uh, accused of the murder of Corley. He's, the goes gang out, is imprisoned, though. Yeah, the gang is imprisoned. And uh, Ben Throttle goes out on the run and seeks to uh, right wrongs and put the factory in the right hands. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that as far as the development goes. Yeah. We'll, we'll spoil yeah, yeah, away yeah. once we get into it. But yeah, that sets up the the world pretty well for anyone who hasn't played this game yet. Uh, but yeah, we should probably get a little bit more into the making of, I guess, credit-wise. Uh, this is uh, Schaefer, while he was the lead on Day of the Tentacle, this is the first game that he was the project lead, head writer, and designer yeah. uh, for. So he also worked on Secret of Monkey Island, Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, and then Day of the Tentacle. Uh, and so this one came out in... With- I want to use co-lead with Grossman. With Grossman on, on Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Peter Chan's art is back again in this, and it's just gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Grossman, again, was a co-writer or another writer on, on this as well. Uh, the composer, Peter McConnell. The music for this game by the Jackals. What's the name? The Gone Jackals. The Gone Jackals, local Bay Area Who? band. And they contributed to your idea that this was post-apocalyptic in that uh, the music that's constantly playing... Um, kind of in various places is about uh finding love in the apocalypse 
Oh, uh, that's so, another, yeah, good call. But the music too is very Mad Max. Yeah. That just like yeah, classic 80s guitar jam mm-hmm. rock the whole time. It's so good. Oh my, it fits perfectly. And again, the, with the remastered stuff, everything is just kind of, it feels like, remember when the special editions came out and George Lucas was talking about how they went th- to the original film and like blew the dust off itself and like he polished it with his his own shoe polish to sh- make it shine again or whatever. It felt like they did that with this because going back and, you know, FN or um, function f one and going back and see, hearing the original music and the original dialogue compared to the the remastered, that to me was more impressive than the visuals. Yeah, and made a bigger difference just because it sounded so amazing, and all the uh, the the music, nothing sounded compressed, nothing sounded squished. It all just sounded rich and full. And the voice acting, they didn't have to re-record any of that. They just brought out the original wave files again. Just I mean, dusted them off. To talk about yeah, just dust off the wave files, <laughs> uh, shine them up. I'm an audio uh, engineer. I know how this stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a good time to talk about Roy Conrad. Who um, it, it's weird, but I feel like yeah. even more than Tim Schafer is the heart of this game. Yeah, um, gravelly, gravelly Roy Conrad voice. Yeah, uh, I think Schaefer said when he, they were trying out voices, uh, everybody trying out for uh, Ben Throttle's part was was trying to be gruff. They were they were oh, going yeah. you know lower than normal. Yeah, this is me. I'm a biker. I'm tough. And then uh, Roy Conrad just got in there and just talked, and his voice is naturally gravelly. But by just talking, there was there was a kind of warmth to it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's. He brought a lot to the character uh, and was, you know, very closely identified with the character uh, before his death in 2002, uh, which is why the the game is dedicated to him during the credits. Yeah, yeah, he did an amazing job. Mark Hamill, too. All the voices were were really, really good. Uh, Yeah, just brought all the characters to life. I mean, just like Day of the Tentacle, where every single voice is really, really distinctive. Uh, This is the first game, actually, that they actually got um, SAG actors and it actually like got the budget, opened their wallets, and paid really good voice actors to do the acting, and it just brought the game to life. And you're right, Day of the Tentacle opened that door where they first mm-hmm. didn't go in-house for their voice acting like Sierra had done, like they'd done on previous games. They went out to try and find some actual voice actors, and then even upped it here, uh, getting all SAG actors. Yeah, yeah. So this was the the tenth scum game, which we've, I don't have the full list in front of me. We've probably done half of it at this point, maybe a little more. Yeah. Uh, of these first 10 ones at least uh and it featured just like we were saying rebel assaulted the full uh motion video and action sequences uh that used lucasarts insane animation engine do you know what insane stands for did you know before looking at the notes no do you know are you looking at the notes right now i'm looking at the notes now okay interactive streaming animation engine (laughs) so it's not an exactly uh, it spells right but anyway uh it was uh uh, the first LucasArts game to be to be released for Windows, which kind oh. of blew my mind. I had to double check wow. that, but yeah, Windows ninety five. DOS, yeah, yeah, it was DOS, Windows, and and Mac. This was released for, yep. uh, and the first to be distributed only on CD ROM, so no floppy mm-hmm. for full throttle. Uh, which uh, again, uh, Schaefer just goes on about how there was this virtually endless amount of space and memory that he could use to make this game. Because going from a floppy to a CD, it just seemed like this endless world, which is, again, surprising that it's such a short game for all the endless amount of data they had to use. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, their, their goal was to sell 100,000 copies. That would have been a success for the amount of money they spent on development. And they ended up selling over a million copies. So pretty good, especially for uh, some executives who said that they hated it, at least the first treatment yeah. of it. 
Yeah. But yeah, the uh, came out to rave reviews. Still is considered one of the best LucasArts games. I feel like we say that about every LucasArts game. Yep. Well, and let's deal with the, the biggest critique uh, at the time, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in gameplay um, with TJ in a second, um, which is that it was too short, uh, which I always think is a great critique. Um, mm-hmm. This is, you know, we've talked about this before on shorter games. Well, and, especially um, compared to Thimbleweed, right? Oh, yeah. Which just felt like at the end of Act 1, I was like, oh, that was a fun game. And it's like, nope. Yep. <laughs> Chapter 2 or whatever it was. Like, okay, I guess this game never ends. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, good and bad to both, I guess. But it's I, when we're on a time crunch like we are, I'm like, oh, it's kind of nice to have a short game occasionally. Take a short one. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, the, the reviews were really, really good characters good story fun puzzles occasionally too easy on the puzzles yep and too short of a game yep and then one last one that i'm sure we'll talk about in gameplay is yeah. um sometimes it was just random clicking random the, clicking the, yeah just trying to randomly click on things to find oh, it we didn't deal with it, it like an audio version. click or something yeah, i got no, that would have been terrible no uh, you're just yeah. randomly clicking around the screen to figure out what you're supposed to do um the remastered version allows you to just highlight uh what things are clickable um yeah, but another point up to the short game is that Schaefer talked about the fact that this would this specifically when he did the remastered, he did an interview and talked about how this would specifically cater better to a 2017 audience, which I thought was a great point. I had not thought about the whole time. I was just like, oh, it's too bad that it's not a longer game. But yeah, that totally makes sense. If you could pick this up and play it in under six hours. Yeah, and I think it totally holds two, three up. evenings. That's um, awesome. Yeah, great story. Yeah, it totally holds um, up. Agreed. Animation just tends to hold up well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's really solid. Yep. Uh, a couple final notes. You talked about the uh, the idea that you know it would be kind of nice to see that first treatment that he had of, yeah. of full throttle that that the execs hated. Uh, that's kind of you know lost to history. I'm sure we'll never see that. That's not in Rogue Leaders, unfortunately. Uh, but two other things lost to history are the two sequels, the two yes. potential oh, sequels, I guess that yeah. that didn't happen. Uh, and that one was in 2002 called Payback, and it basically. All the stuff I read on it just seemed like they didn't have enough uh, man hours and money and time to dedicate to that full time. So they scrapped it after a couple months. And then uh, the next year, Full Throttle Hell on Wheels was another sequel that they had actually started development for a few months. They actually had a playable demo. So this is the thing that I that is now my new mission in life is to get this playable version. It might even just be on YouTube. I haven't even looked yet. But to actually be able to have this playable version of this sequel eight years after the first one came out would be pretty great. I'm sure it would just look beautiful. It'd be fun to have those same characters back. Um, but yeah, it got scrapped after LucasArts uh, execs thought the scum engine, they, they thought the gamers wouldn't like the action and they thought the, the action gamers wouldn't like all the puzzles. Yeah, basically. So it's kind of like it, it's in miniature, the, the end of LucasArts adventure gaming. Yeah. And it, um, at the same time, it was the same year that uh, they also canceled the Sam and Max sequel. For the, basically yep. the same reasons. They developed yep. the game halfway and we're like, you know what? This isn't the right direction. Not the yeah. game is bad. Not we no. didn't sell enough of the first one. But meh. Meh. We don't like that kind of game anymore. We're, yeah. we're done with that genre. Right. Um, Have you guys seen Halo? This is cool. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. Kids like and these games. I think the saving grace of both of those cancellations is Schaefer had already left LucasArts. Yeah. Uh, it was not going to be a Tim Schaefer joint. Uh, and when Schaefer was approached recently about possibly making a sequel in the future, he said, yeah, that story is pretty much done. I think, I think I told it. Um, and so I agree with him. I, I was pretty satisfied with the ending. It, it had one of those, you know, open endings where, Oh, this person's still going to go on more adventures, but I didn't get the sense that I needed to see them. I, I really felt like it was a good place to leave that character. 
Yeah. yeah I also don't so. want Ben Throttle without Roy Conrad. Yeah. Oh, I'm man. I'm all out on that. I'm sure they could get Mark to do, although Rip Burger, I never mind. I'm not going to go there. Okay. So uh, I guess a couple last notes. One is uh, happy birthday, Tim Schaefer. Turning the big uh, half a century mark this month. Wow. 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 Yeah. Good for him. Uh, and uh, if you listen to the commentary on the remastered, uh, go ahead and I would suggest to people if they have the remastered version to play it with the commentary on. Uh, I don't know if you were able to play any of that, but basically there's a button you press where it says commentary available for this scene and you can just turn it on while you're playing. It doesn't, it doesn't overlap much with the actual dialogue of the game or anything. So you can turn it off and on as you play. Uh, but yeah, I I did that. That's good to know. Yeah. A lot of really good notes in there. Uh, firstly is that there's a nice nude shot of Tim Schafer in the first, uh, in the opening sequence, which I did not notice. Now, now where is that? The hood ornament on Corley's limo. Oh my gosh. Yes. That Ben, Ben throttle just like goes over on his, his motorcycle. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they talk about just kind of the random anecdotes from development. It's a whole team that the, of Tim Schafer and all the developers and the, the sound people. And they talk about different sound effects they used and how this is the first and one of the only uh, LucasArts games where they did almost all of their sound effects and fully by hand and not just on like a sound library like they would do. You notice right. with Day of the Tentacle how it's all like... Uh, you know, we talk about the Chuck Jones cartoony Looney Tunes sounds. All all are, are visuals, but all the sounds are like that too. Of just like yeah. springs, like boy yo yo yoing, like ooga, that kind of stuff. And this was all, and that's all from like a sound library. But this yeah. was all actually like walking around town and recording things and getting a Harley and overlaying the sound of a lion's roar over the Harley sound of the engine and like putting the and that was Ben's bike sound and so stuff like that, which is some really cool anecdotes. So check that out. Um, Things like, yeah, Peter Chen's art, which was the, the town of, what was it? Melon, Melonweed, yeah. which is the town where Maureen lives, where all of the houses are built on other houses that are slowly yeah. sinking into the ground, which I did not <laughs> notice at all. I was stuck there for hours. Did not notice that. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. This is, this is the first, uh, more than $1 million budget for a, um, LucasArts game. Wow. So that was pretty cool. Uh, so good for them. I guess it's kind of an arbitrary amount, but yeah, it's good. Uh, Monkey Island was only just to put it in perspective. Monkey Island, uh, what a couple years before that, five or six years before that, was a budget of two hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, significant uptick there. Well, this game is just really caught. Um, it's in a transition time. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's requiring a lot more money. Um, the graphics are are so much better than Monkey Island than Monkey Island Two, uh, even better than Day of the Tentacle. Um, and yet it's it's not yet at where uh, Grim Fandango and some of the late nineties games are going to be. Um, it's uh, and so it's a really interesting kind of historical moment for full throttle yeah. uh, where it's at um, still an adventure game. Not yet uh, that kind of first person shooter world that we're going to move into, um, but you can feel it coming. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you think about the, um, the road rash style motorcycle fights, but we'll get into that with TJ uh, coming up next. All right. This is an interview with our special guest. We're gonna ask him about the gameplay and we'll handle the rest. Yeah. And we're back and joined now by the great TJ McElmore, um, poet, <laughs> uh, teacher, uh, lover. Yeah. Um, exactly. So many things. Oh my. So many things. Um, <laughs> so. So TJ, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I 
Uh, as you say, I, I'm an English guy, uh, like our esteemed Jason Holmes here. Um, also a musician. Uh, ben, I see you're a musician as well. I, I grew up playing the guitar, and, oh, nice. uh, and, I, and I also grew up playing uh, LucasArts Scum Game. So uh, we, we, we are all spiritual brothers, I suppose. Um, I grew up in Paris, Texas on a, on a cattle ranch playing uh, LucasArts games and, and, and learning to play the guitar. Uh, ended up living up north for a little bit and uh, back in Fort, Fort Worth, Texas now. Nice. Where did you first get introduced to LucasArts and those, and those types of games? You know, I think um, anyone who grew up in rural Texas uh, listening will know uh, the, the chain Hastings. Uh, that was the one place in Paris, Texas, where I went to high school, where you could get video games. And so I would just go into Hastings and look around, and I think... I think the first one I ever picked up um, was uh, The Dig. And nice. like, I was, I was a big space nerd, and I was like, okay, asteroids and alien worlds, this I can do. And, and of course, I, was, I, I, think, I think I got that when I was probably 12 or 13 years old, and, of course, it owned me. Um, oh, yeah. Tough game. <laughs> yes, it is. But, but, then, but then I moved on to, to Indiana Jones. Uh, the fate of Atlantis, and and uh, and then and then got Full Throttle, and I think Full Throttle was probably the most approachable uh, of these for for me yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, you've just been playing through our episode backlog. It sounds like uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it definitely seemed like Full Throttle. I think we talked about it in the, in the history intro part. Basically, it seemed like because it's a little shorter, and one of the criticisms was that the the puzzles aren't as hard as a lot of the other games. I remember, like the Dig, there were so many parts in the Dig that we can't even fathom playing without like pre-internet. Like how would you even figure some of these things out? Yeah. Like putting yeah. crystals and random holes and robots and aliens. It was just so complex and a very long game, even with cheating. But this was definitely kind of a nice comforting game to play. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, we were all used to the original Mario games where like, there's no save and you know, you leave oh, it yeah. paused, you leave it paused overnight to save your yes. place. Yeah. yeah. And if if you die out, you're just dead, you know. And and so I think we just had more patience to try, you know, a hundred different permutations of crystals in the holes. Because <laughs> not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> exactly. Some heroes are nerds playing yes. Lucas Arts games. <laughs> Absolutely. That is weird to think. Yeah, Zelda. You could save. There weren't that many games on original NES that you could save at all. No, no. You just leave it paused overnight. And your mom this, tells you to go to bed. Yeah, exactly. This is one of those games that you could probably do in one sitting if you were dedicated enough. But luckily you didn't have to because it was shipped on CD-ROM. Yeah, this <laughs> so was one of the first, it. right? It was, That's yeah. Funny. With infinite space somehow. It was yeah, still infinite. kind of one of the shorter games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I remember bringing it home, firing it up on my, on my uh, probably like a 386 or a 486 at that point. Actually, maybe I was running Windows at that point. Up to a Pentium. This yeah, is the exactly. first one uh, released uh, for Windows. First LucasArts game released for Windows. Okay, yeah. So probably, so I threw the CD-ROM in and, and uh, watched those, watch those beautiful uh, cutscenes that the game oh, starts with, which was, which was not done at that, at least at, to my knowledge, at that point. It was beautiful. Isn't it great not to need a boot disc uh, to play <laughs> any of these games now? Yeah. Days. I forgot about that. <laughs> you guys are old. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes we are. <laughs> the only reason I played these games and even knew how to run them was because, well, ninety percent of that time I was just watching Jason play them. But nice. yeah, I definitely did. Not. I mean, I was 
nine or ten when this game came out came out so i definitely did not understand not that i understand computers very well now but did not understand a boot disc or anything like that at the time so it was definitely helpful oh, did you have any siblings or anyone that kind of introduced you to these or played that you played along with yeah this is a perfect segue so my i have a younger sister as well uh she's a couple years younger and so she would she would sit and watch and perfect try to try to help with puzzles i i definitely feel like in a way that doesn't necessarily exist with all games these days, these were communal games. Like you had to play these with a sibling or uh, full throttle in particular. Um, I have two older cousins. Um, they're like eight, seven, eight years older. And uh, they were in town uh, for Christmas. I guess it would have been like Christmas 95. Um, mm-hmm. I would have been 13 years old. Right. This game came out in 95, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so we had, we, we went to Hastings, we picked this game up with them. They were super excited. They were like a oh, motorcycle gang. Cool. Yeah. Let's do this. And so the four of us, so my older cousins and my little sister and I fired this thing up and we played it. Um, I think we got almost all the way through it. Um, I don't think we ended up beating it uh, at that point, but, but you know, those guys were, those guys were in college and it felt really yeah. cool playing this game with them. And so this one always has kind of a, kind of a soft spot in my heart. Cause I remember playing it with my, with my older cousins. So I, I was kind of like watching them play it to begin with. Um, yeah. So I was kind of, then I was kind of on your side of the spectrum. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, and, and you had a similar upbringing to us in that you grew up in the church. Um, and yes. I was wondering, did this game feel a little bit uh, naughty to you? A little bit like, oh, oh, there's a biker and there's drinking. and Oh, this is on the edge. I mean, it's clearly meant for kids, but you know, right. ooh. Yeah, absolutely. You know that the that you end up in the bar in the very first scene, and, and oh, you get sure. Ben to look up at the shelves, and he's like, "Liquor, mmm." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the little Baptist kid, you was like, "No, that's Bad. not right." Bad. <laughs> won't find this in a King's Quest game. It's true. Yeah, it's a really little living large right. now. Right, and what's what's the bartender's name? Quahog or something with the nose yeah. ring, with the giant yeah. like cow ring in his nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, a little, a little edgy, a little countercultural. Yeah. So, what was it like going back now, nice twenty years later? Uh, you you beat the game this time, right? I did. Of course, that was yep. your homework. That was my homework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it like? What, what kind of things uh, did you remember or misremember? Yeah, what kind of things surprised you this time around? Well, so first of all, uh, I got the the reboot, right? So the remaster nice, yeah. uh, for for PS4. So I was actually playing it on PS4, which was sort of unreal. Um, <laughs> seeing in you know in like 4k or whatever yeah. this gorgeous rendition of of you know ben and maureen that that i i, re- I remembered oddly enough i remembered the characters i did mm-hmm. remember like the character of ben throttle and the voice and like the the terseness of his like he's just he's just prickly and yeah. and sort of like sort of like doesn't give a damn and like that soaked in i remembered that and um and I think especially the old mine road, the fights. Yes. Where you're like wailing, fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're wailing on dudes with a chain or a board. And I totally remembered that from, from when I was a kid. Um, interestingly enough, I, I don't know how I got through some of those puzzles when I was 13. I've been on everything for hours probably. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> just trying everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I uh, we'll, we'll get to this, I'm sure. But yeah, I, I still struggled getting through some of that. Um, and didn't necessarily remember how I'd gotten through it before. So it was, it was a really nice, fresh playthrough. Yeah. yeah and from, nice. from here on out, let's just say uh, spoilers ahead. So if oh. you want to throw in anything about a later puzzle, feel free. Yeah. Yeah. We should say if you, if you haven't played the game, you should go, uh, I think it's like 10 bucks on the PS4 shop and go pick up a copy. 
Yeah, yep. yeah. I think one of the one. things that's yeah, one of the things that the blows my mind every Ooh. time the remastered comes out, and we'll probably have this again when we play Grim Fandango later this year. Uh, but with Day of the Tentacle, Monkey Island, and now Full Throttle, when I see the remastered version and start playing it for a couple hours, it seems like I remember it that way. Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem like oh, this is a brand new game, but for some reason, twenty years ago, when I you know you press Function F one to go back to the pixely version, that version seems way different than I remember. I don't remember looking that bad and pixelated and blocky, but the remastered version in, is exactly what I remembered in my brain. So I guess that's a tribute to Tim Schafer and the Double Fine crew for remastering it in a way that only my brain saw it that way before they actually did it physically. Yeah. So yeah. like with, I mean, what did they have? Maybe like 15 pixels for Ben's face. And so, yeah, maybe less. Yeah. Yeah. And that is exactly like the, the five o'clock shadow, like the, the dark gray beard yep. and like the, the windswept hair, like, that was what was in my imagination too. And then, like, and then even in the high in def, Yeah, even in the high def version, they still don't have eyes. Him and Maureen, I believe. They're still just <laughs> squinty eyes, which is what they had to do for pixels. But now even that they're like beautifully hand-drawn paintings, that's still what they look like. I love it. The sun is just really bright. Yeah, all the time. All the yeah. time. <laughs> all right, so Jay, what, do you want to get into the, the road rash stuff first? Get it out of the way? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Because um, I... I think general take on it. Maybe we should just each do our general take. Do we love okay. this game or not? Or maybe we can end with that. But oh, the sure, yeah. one weakness I thought of the game was actually the old mine road, the um, bike fighting. And the reason was not not because that was particularly bad, but because I love Road Rash. And that game was one of my all-time favorite games when I was in middle yes. school. And this falls so far short of that. Because, of course, this isn't a bicycle combat game it's an adventure game it has bicycle mm-hmm. combat in it and so that part seemed a little just button mashy and more puzzle based and it was fun ish but it's not something i would want to come back to just to be like well let's see how many bikers i could knock off yeah uh, in a row or something it's never going to turn into a fun arcade game for me um but the fact that that's what i'm attacking means that the rest of the game is just really stellar that's interesting because i i never played road rash so i i had no point of comparison um, but in y'all's experience, is that, is that section of the game a departure for LucasArts to, to have that sort of adventure, um, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just like a, like an arcade style stand. It's almost like a standalone game that, yeah. that isn't, that isn't successful. Yeah. I agree. These are, so these are the parts that Jason hates and that's why he hated Rebel Assault and X-Wing was a challenge. Well, it was a challenge yep. for both of us, but it's the, one of the goals of this podcast is to play the games that are like. We should call them slow clickers from now on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's the term we should, we should copyright. <laughs> because we love the scum games, but when it comes to things, whether it's Whack-A-Mole and Sam and Max or any of the right. Star Wars games where you're trying to navigate really quickly, and then usually the, the downside is when you lose, it's a 10-minute thing to start over and you have to do it all over again. And that's, you know, if there's something you lose and can quickly get back into it, maybe that's less of a drag, but um, the, the bike, that was the biggest drag for me in the biker chain stuff or the biker fighting um, which was when you find the, um, what was he called? The, not sand. What, what was the uh, game? Yeah, I, I always want to say sand people. Um, yeah. But when you find cave, the sand people. Cave fish. Cave, cave, cave fish. fish. Thank yeah. you. Uh, when you find the cave fish guy and you try to get him with the board and you miss because he oils you, you have to like wait again and go through a couple bikers until you can find another cave fish again. And so that's the part that gets annoying for me when I'm like, I know what I need to do. Can we just get on with it? And in most of the scum games, you just you know when you know what to do, that's that's the challenge is figuring out what to do, yeah. not the, actually the medium of like doing that thing. I think that's the thing that frustrates both J- Jason and I. And it is 
it is pretty rare in these games. Maybe there's one or two things like this, smaller yeah. things like this in scum games, but definitely not this big of a part usually. There's occasional mini games. Uh, Sam and Max actually had a pretty good mini game um, where you could highway surf, but it was not oh, yeah. important to the progression through the game at all. Yeah. You just take a break and highway surf for a while. Um, and the original Monkey Island, this was planned for it, and they weren't able to execute it in time, so they just left it out. But Ooh. after the first leg of the adventure, you were supposed to go and uh, I think attack a bunch of ships and build up your kind of like ship rating or whatever and get a better ship and then once you progressed through that then you went back to adventuring there was supposed to be some kind of cool um pirate style uh arcade game in the middle of it um i think i, think so that I, into, I don't miss that <laughs> yeah i'll just say real quick i think the mini game thing of secret of monkey island turned turned out to be the um the sword fighting yeah which yeah. isn't fast clicking at all it's all uh just witty repartee and like learning people's jokes and having to repeat the jokes, which just does get a little formulaic and kind of like roll your eyes to like, okay, I get it. Can we please get on with it? I disagree. It's, it's absolute genius. And I walked around in middle school and I quoted that to other people who played the game and we would just have fake sword fights because we were really cool. Because <laughs> you were the cool kids. You were the cool kids. <laughs> I should note though that I, so I played this, uh, I played Full Throttle when, it, when the remaster first came out. And to prepare for this, I kind of went back through the first half or so of the game because you could probably do a playthrough in about three hours, yeah, maybe yeah. a little less if you yeah. if you wanted to, if you just flew straight through. And my first time through, the mine road was incredibly frustrating, and I was I was actually pissed. I, I was like, yeah. I remembered actually being able to have some amount of skill here, but it just kind of seemed like luck, and I I was just I couldn't I couldn't beat anybody. I just like everybody was making me go down, and. Um, I kind of I kind of figured it out, but then the second time that I went to the mine road today, actually, um, I realized that there is a, some kind of strategy. I don't know if you guys notice this, but like there is like like you said, you got to use the board on the cave fish. Yeah, you, you can get the cave fish down with a with a uh, with a chainsaw, but he's going to blow himself up. He he. he oh, I didn't do that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Separate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the cave fish um, term. <laughs> yeah, that is this a technical yeah. terms, of course. Yeah. Thank you for respecting um, yeah. culture. <laughs> um, and I realize, and, and we should say that there's the other, um, uh, there's the other guy you got to get down the vulture with the with the turbo boost, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, a I, chain, I, right? Exactly. And I had to use yeah. a chain on him. I tried using a chainsaw on him, and I couldn't get him down. And to get the chainsaw girl down, you get her down in one hit if you use the fertilizer. Yep. If you pick up the fertilizer, throw it in her face. Yep. So there is some kind of uh, trial and error. Uh, that is characteristic of the games that, that you can apply there, but it still frustrated me the first time through. Yes. Do you remember? Do you ever have an older sibling who gave you a controller that wasn't plugged in? Oh, man. <laughs> along? oh honestly, man. if you told me that that's what was happening the entire time I was playing that uh, bike fight scene, <laughs> I'd believe you. I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. The game was just yeah. playing on its, it was on demo mode. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Fair> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's how much connection I had to that. I, I wow, I'm bad. I'm real bad. Yeah. Uh, so Destruction Derby, how did you guys figure yeah. out that you needed to, when you figure out, I guess the first time you off the jump, right? You figure out that it sells yeah. a car. That's pretty quick. But how, how long did it take you to figure out where to put that car or that you could, should even put that car somewhere else? Really long. Long time. <laughs> long time. I was looking for like a minute, but how did I, you just kept pushing it around or, or. Yeah. Like I probably pushed it around for 20 minutes. Yeah. I got, to, right. I got to 10 minutes and then I looked it up. That's where I was. <laughs> Because I, I thought, I've, I've got to be doing something wrong. Well, clearly, you know, I need that yeah. instant gratification. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I probably did that 10 or 15 minutes and then ended up 
cheating. Uh, but did you guys catch the George Lucas cameo? Yeah, I did not. I actually, I, I looked up a video uh, online and, and they had a, a screenshot. And I was like, oh God, how did I miss that? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty notable. Yeah. And did you notice the Max cameo? I noticed the um, uh, Bill Farmer, who's the voice of Sam oh. throughout the game. So he plays the cop when you're like in the semi and he's like, right. oh, give me your ID or whatever. Nice. And you hear that muffled cop talking or the highway patrol. And he's also the newscaster. He's kind of throughout the game. So it's Got nice it. hearing the different LucasArts voice actors throughout this game. I didn't, I don't think I caught Max. Where was he? No, there's a Max skull and crossbones. Uh, I wish I could remember where. Oh, um, nice. But That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, any other uh, puzzles that you guys really liked or, or completely usually we go to really hate it, I think are the ones that we think about the most. Yeah. I liked the, um, it's a really simple one, but just using the lock to get into the junkyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really smart because yeah. you spend so much time distracted trying to pull up the chain and keep the door open at the same time. Uh, and it's that perfect lateral thinking kind of thing of, I only got there because I only had four items in my inventory at that time or whatever it was, you know, kept the inventory small so I could try different things. But as soon as you put the lock on there, it's like, oh, duh. Yeah. But that's a, a thing that this game does really well is it compartmentalizes the different areas really well. Yeah. So yeah. when you're in Melonweed, that town, you only have three or four things in your inventory and you only have three screens to go to. Mm. And so there's a very limited amount of things you can do. As frustrating as it is, as many times as I cheated in Melonweed, like it still is. Every time I cheated, I was like, ah, oh, I should have just given it 10 more minutes or whatever it was. And when you're on the highway, the same kind of thing. And when you're at the destruction derby, same kind of thing where it's like, it's really only like the, the minefield and the, the snack stand, the souvenir shop are really the only two places you can go to. So it's a matter of the three things there or the two things here and combining them until something works. And that's how I feel yeah. about the bus. Just kind of like it, it is, trying things over and over and over. And as soon as you get tunnel vision and you, and you, and you try to just stay at the, um, at the junkyard, for example. So if you, you yeah. can go to the junkyard and just stay there and like, oh, there's got to be able to pull this chain and you're never going to get there. You have to go to the, the gas tower right, right, and get, and get the lock. Um, but before you can go there, you got to go to the other site, which get is the, the trailer, pick. and get the lock pick. So the lock pick, they, yeah. all, they all fit together. And so you gotta, you got to think. It's both unintuitive. Like, uh, Jason, I thought, I thought the junkyard door was super unintuitive. Like, I'm trying to yeah. get into the junkyard, so I'm going to lock the door. And then yes. climb up the chain. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 We talk about this a lot. Whenever Jason and I give each other hints, it's 90% of the time it's, oh, you have, you have something you can't unlock. What would unlock something? Like we just ask each other dumb questions that are obvious and it helps yeah. us get to there. Cause it's like, oh, there's two things, a key and a lockpick. He's like, oh, a lockpick. Do you say? See one of those around? <laughs> yeah. See you later. And then, you know, you know the thing to look for. But that way your answer, it feels more, um, I guess a little more fulfilling when you're kind of answering those questions yourself and not being like, Oh, go get the lock pickets over here. But it usually is kind of these, um, intuitive, obvious things when you're looking back on it, as frustrating as it is in the moment, which is, those are the, the best games. And mostly Tim Schafer games are like that. Yeah. There's yeah. Mine, my, my moment was, uh, the cave fish cave. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, so long. Oh my God. So you, you know, know, know what to do. It takes a while. <laughs> It does. So you run into Father Torque right out on the out on the mine road, and he's Father like, Torque. "Who's tougher than you, Ben?" <laughs> and eventually, by the way, that's apply, my ringtone now. <laughs> yeah. never that. Eventually, you have to reply, "I guess I am the toughest," or whatever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, yeah, 
This yeah. game is badass. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you get into the cavefish cave, and of course, what, all you want to do is just grab. You grab the ramp, and you're like, "Sweet, let's get out of here!" And you try yeah. to run, and of course, they catch you and and take the ramp back. Um, and then Father Torque had told you, "Oh, with their goggles, they use the goggles because their vision's terrible, and they have to be able to see the stripes on the road or, or the right. bumps on the road. That's how they navigate." Right. But of course, you use the ramp and pop off all the little buttons on the road so, good. so that they run off the cliff and crash. Yeah. Right. When I, it took me forever. And when I finally figured it out, I was like, Oh my God, that was so obvious. But like, who would think to do that? Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite animations in the whole game too. Him just knocking those little, uh, <laughs> details off. Yeah. 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 One thing I really was impressed by with this game. Um, first off, the ending was really fun. Uh, I think mm-hmm. endings usually yeah. don't deliver quite as well as this one did uh, in LucasArts games. Uh, they usually find many cutscenes overall, too. Yeah, yeah. And they, they usually don't. Mm-hmm. Cutscenes usually like, okay, now sit back for five minutes, and then we'll just yeah. end the whole thing. As opposed yeah. to a series of cutscenes where I'm, I feel like I'm taking part in it the whole time. Uh, but the other thing was, from the opening lines about uh, Maureen, uh, you mm-hmm. feel like Ben and Maureen have some romantic tension. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they never delivered on that at all was so, so fantastic. Yeah, it was really um, great. Yep. It, it really would have, I think, hurt the characters. Um, yeah. yeah it, there's not a lot of respect I would have for those characters. If they're like, well, I guess I found everything. Let's get married. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, and we, we talked about Rebel Assault 2 this way, where you've got two characters that you're playing the whole time. They just happen to be male and female. So, of course, even though there's no, there's barely any friendship or conversation there, at the end, of course, you make out. Because it's it's a guy and a girl, and I'm twelve. That's what and that you makes do, sense. of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, as opposed to this, where there's much more of an actual relationship there, and it's like, and still, they don't have to hook up. That's okay. They are both just adventurers and heroes. Isn't there a cutscene near the end where uh, they're they're gonna like go get lunch or something, and he just he just bails yes. on her? Yeah, yeah. He, just, he just drives away. That's how it ends, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He just gets gets out of the limo and drives off. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm so scared you're gonna say, yeah, cutscene at the end where they totally make out. Like, ah, oh, man, I didn't pay good enough attention at all. How did I miss that? No, no, <laughs> nope, nope. She's on a corporate call and he just runs away. It's perfect. And yeah, at no, at no point is she damsel in distress trope at all. She's, yeah. she's at one point the enemy. She's trying to yeah. kill you and everything. So they, they totally flipped that on the on head, head nose. Yeah, he's the damsel in distress. If anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ben Throttle, damsel in distress. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, the other interesting thing about the ending that I, I don't remember encountering in a LucasArts game either is, Ben, you noted this, I died several times. Yeah. And yeah, that's rare too, yeah. You are, you are under a timer, basically. Like, if you don't get your puzzle solved in the amount of time that that ship can hold on the cliff, you just go down. And the first time it happened, I was like, oh, no, what? I'm dead? Okay. <laughs> Guess we'll try again. Yeah. <laughs> how about how about the final puzzle, the last little tidbit of you're running off the exploding plane, and if you try to just run oh, off yeah. the airplane, you die. But if you stop, put your keys in your bike, start it up, and then fire it off, then of course you live. Uh, I love how stupid that was because of course that takes much much more time. <laughs> but you got to get the but bike. It's so cool. Of You've got to have this. Got to get the bike. You got to get the shot of the bike exploding oh, like yeah. a cannonball out of a cannon oh, in a yeah. landing. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Which yeah, part of me wants more of those cutscenes in other games, but I don't think that would fit in Monkey Island. 
Maybe it's just because no. it wasn't there. Uh, they had a couple of those things in Sam and Max. I'm trying to think of other games. The Dig had a lot of the. Uh, the Dig had a lot. It was around this time, and it was yeah. it came from a screenplay, a story idea from Steven Spielberg. So that makes more sense. It's going to be cinematic, but mm-hmm. it was cool how action packed this game was compared to a lot of these scum games, which aren't really thought to be action games. But it's cool how they kind of weaved all of that action cutscenes and explosions and guns and all that stuff into this kind of game. Which a slow clicking kind of game, right, Jay? Yeah, slow click. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you guys are good, I think we could probably move on to what's the beer, what's the song? Yeah, absolutely. This game's pretty fun. You with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer, what's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is Westy 12? Yeah, 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 I'm in. Uh, yeah. All right, so this, this was a real easy song for me because it got stuck in my head and I went and looked it up and um, just to see if I was missing anything. It's Chitlin's Whiskey and Skirt by the Gone Jackals. Uh, and that is the Every title. single song is the Gone Jackals, right? It's the Gone Jackals, yeah. yeah okay. The Gone Jackals, um, they did the uh, the soundtrack for this or, or rather they pulled from their, uh, their CD that came out around that time right. uh, for all the music. Uh, but that song plays so many times. It's on the save menu. It's in yeah. Todd's trailer. I think it's even playing in the bar. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And so it got stuck in my head and also gave me this idea that the entire thing was happening during the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. Lord each day for the apocalypse. Uh, man, it is. I, I just want to pull random lyrics from it, but just go ahead and play it so that people can enjoy it. I thank the Lord each day for the apocalypse. Folks are mostly disfigured or dead, but sugar, I won't let it go to my head. That's one of the biggest upgrades, I guess, with the remastered version is the the music. And I, again, I would go back and forth between the original and remastered just to hear the voice actors, the sound effects, and the music just as much as I would to see the graphics. But the, the music sounds okay. You can basically just hear guitars. And when you hear like that hard riff intro, but when you go to the remastered version, you get this like nice full stereo sound that just, it sounds like a modern day band is playing like an eighties cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of like Pantera or like, yeah, or whatever, Death Leopard or something like that. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, TJ, did you want to do your song? Yeah. So I, I kind of, um, got nostalgic uh, playing this game and I was thinking about what was going on in 1995 and uh, I think the year before Pearl Jam released nice. uh, their second record Versus and um, I was so into that record and uh, went, went back to that today nice. and uh, was listening to the song Rearview Mirror which is just a great driving song, just a great road song. And just thinking about those, uh, those times in the game where you're just driving and just, and just going on the bumps. And like, I could feel my PS4 controller vibrating as you go over the bumps uh, on the road and, uh, and listening to that song. And and of course there's the line in the song, uh, Eddie Vedder sings, I guess it was the Beatons that made me wise. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, "Yeah." Ben took a few Beatons. (laughs) Yeah, made him wise. (laughs) He wakes up in a dumpster in like the first scene. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so went went way on back to to some to some grunge rock, but uh, nice. Uh, I think it fits. Nice. And, like and he's not about to give thanks or apologize. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to the the right people when you're talking about Pearl Jam. Greatest uh, greatest Pearl Jam album of all time, by the no. way. No, it's versus. Ooh. No. Versus. Yeah. Is, is do the evolution on that or that's on? No. Uh, that's yields. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get a lot of those two confused a lot. Anyway. Uh, I went with classic American tune, uh, just like you guys did, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, Springsteen's Born in the USA. Which is, we all know if you listen to the lyrics, it's just an easygoing, happy to be American uh, no conflicts at all. Go America. No, it's a song about a, you know a troubled return home for a Vietnam vet and just finding you know different issues in the country that he lives in that he was fighting for and all that. But filled with sadness and chaos, but in this like happy, feel good beats and guitar riff and you know Bruce with like the American flag behind him, shaking his booty, having a good time. Uh, and that, that's why, yeah, it reminded me of this game where it's like this Harley Davidson classic American tale of this guy just growing across the country, saving the day. But it flips all of those kind of on its head where it's like, eh, it's also this kind of apocalyptic sort of futuristic or what is it? Alternate reality. Jay, is that the term? That, yeah. That yeah. Uh, Schaefer used. Uh, that's, yeah, filled with chaos and it has hovering cars, but they're also people are trying to murder you the whole time. So it's kind of this complex narrative, not just kind of a feel good Harley game. So. Um, yeah, that's the, the connection that I made. I'll go right into my beer, which I'm totally going into this 4th of July mode. I know it's the 5th of July, but I have my my American flag shirt on, singing about Born in the USA. Uh, and I'm going with another classic American beer, which is Arrogant Bastard Ale from Stone Brewing. Or used to be Stone Brewing. Now I guess it's Arrogant Brewing. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, just like Harley Davidson, it's you know this all-American feel. Uh, but at the same time, it's trying to the goal of arrogant bastard brewing. I think stone brewing is subverting and kind of being countercultural to the classic American beer, which is a watered down pilsner that tastes like trash. And they're kind of saying, "Hey, this is a this is still an ale that's really clean and light and refreshing, but it also is hoppy and barley and tastes really good." So that's kind of what this this game did to me too, which was like, oh, "This is a terrible wasteland of of the setting." But you have this awesome story with this really cool protagonist and this this great action that you get to do. So, um, and again, re- rejecting just like Jason, you said, rejecting the the tropes of the damsel in distress. You're not at all saving Maureen. In fact, she saves you a couple times. So, okay, I'm done. TJ, what yeah, do you got I, for you? I think you meant oh. uh, uh, Great American Corley Motors, not Harley Davidson. That's what I meant. Did I say yeah. that? Oh my gosh, what's Harley? Corley Motors. Corley so Motors. I- <laughs> So I, I am currently, I, I split the difference, Ben, because I agree. But sometimes, if you guys can see, sometimes you just need a good Miller Lite. Uh, so since, Miller Lite Tallboy. Since the 4th of July was this week, uh, yeah. I got Miller Lite Tallboy is what I'm drinking right now for the conversation. But my, my beer that I chose is also in the same vein, like just a good American craft beer. One of my favorites. Um, then we're on the same page, man. I, I, I chose uh, uh, the Stone Enjoy by IPA. Nice. Yes, oh, it's a so, great IPA. Yeah. So, nice. so when I was when I was playing this game, I was enjoying um, uh, a, a can of beer that in, that says Enjoy by July Fourth. Right. Oh, this okay. is like 
really awesome America. American beer. But it's also the ABV on it's also nine point four percent. So um, it's it's a it's a little uh, it's a little prickly, right? It's a little like yep. Ben Throttle, right? It's gonna it's yep. gonna put some hair on your chest, like like Ben Throttle. Yep. It's gonna yep. <laughs> gonna wake you up a little bit, and uh, yeah, and also also uh, prepare you for that for that uh, for the apocalypse, I suppose. <laughs> That's what I'd want by my side. Uh, good beer, nice. Well, I'll uh, I'll see your Miller Light and I'll lower you. Uh, <laughs> Down to the only beer I know of that has a tap handle with an armadillo on it, a uh, mobile speed bump, and that's Lone Star. Yes, um, oh, which, yes. To me, it's just the, the perfect beer. Of, that that's the beer that Ben drinks, and the only beer he drinks. Yeah, probably. There you go. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah I, I've got no metaphor. There's nothing. No, that's good. That makes sense. Beer. Nice. All right, well, I think that's all we got. TJ, thanks again for joining us for for gameplay for what's the beer, what's the song. Thanks for playing the game along with us too. Heck yeah! Thanks for having me, guys. It's yeah, a blast. Definitely. Are there any other games before you go that you played Lucas Arts type games that you've played that maybe would have you on for again? Um, I I was a big Day of the Tentacle fan. I think you guys already did that. Okay, yep. we did. We did. You did. No, I don't. I think I think you guys have covered most of the ones that I played. But uh, I'd be happy to play another one and and uh, do this again with you guys. That is the joy uh, of doing these is we get to play them again. So you could always play a new game. That's true. Ex- exactly. I'd be happy. <laughs> I'll to. put some. I'll put something in there for you then, because uh, I think it's going to be tough to find a guest for Zach McCracken. Oh, and, okay. And so that might might line up well. I don't think we're going to get any re-release anytime soon on that. Probably not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is old school. But I bet it's yeah. on Steam, right? Uh, I think it is. It's I on, is it? I think it's on GOG. I know it's on GOG. Yeah, it might Maybe be Steam. Steam. I haven't checked. Yeah, but anything you want to plug or that we can plug for you before you go, or like a blog or a favorite band or a movie that you've recently enjoyed. <laughs> No, go to yeah, TCU, man. kids. <laughs> go to- <laughs> <laughs> support these. <laughs> All right. Thanks again to TJ for joining us. Uh, yeah, Jay, did you have anything else uh, to cover before we get to what we're playing next month? Well, now that he's gone, we can talk about him behind his back. Oh so my I'm gosh. About that. Miller Lite? Uh, you're, drink- you're drinking Miller Lite during the Miller recording? Lite. Oh my gosh. He smells so bad. It was disgusting. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything. We, Thank you for saying it. Right. Yeah. We did this all via Hangout. <laughs> and so I'm glad that Google now covers the smell. Right. That's right. Is, this is great is, advertising to people that want to be on the podcast. Please come and join us on the podcast anytime. We'll make fun of you. <laughs> All right. So next month we are playing uh, a lesser known game. We're playing another one of those new games. Uh, it's only, I think, what, three years old at this point. Uh, Sounds right. And that is a game called Gone Home from uh, Fulbright. Also, Steve Gaynor is the kind of developer lead designer head whatever everything of this game it was kind of his baby but uh it's a game that it, it feels from what i've heard i haven't played it yet uh but it feels kind of like firewatch in that sense if you guys have played that uh, it has that sense of that first person view where you can see your hands and see your things and, and you're walking around a house solving puzzles like we do in most of our game and it's jay just like I, what i've heard at least i haven't played it again but uh it is a slow clicker so you're in luck yes i'm excited for yeah, that yeah uh anything else to say about this game or or what people can be looking for this month no, I, I know nothing about it, or very little, just that it's very good, so I'm excited to play it. Sweet. Uh, and it is, it's a quick one. I think it's its like two to four hours, so even shorter than Full Throttle. Uh, and then I promise in uh, in August for our September game, we will be playing a longer game. 
So we will be getting back into it. Uh, but yeah. All right. Thanks again for joining us for Full Throttle. Uh, we'll, we're excited to see you next month for uh, for Gone Home. Uh, this is the third take of the outro I've done. Uh, you can catch us online at menoflowmoralfiber.com. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, Instagram. You can email us at molmfpod at gmail.com. Wherever you want to find us, we're, we'll be there. Uh, and you can always check out, again, fomf.com to check out what our friends are up to. Uh, I think that's it. We'll see you next month for Gone Home. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am still a mighty pirate. And now it's just me and the bunnies. (laughs) See you guys. Later.